Well, when I stand up here to start a message, I uh, always feel like it takes more of a miracle than than uh, than probably most of you think for 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 what for what needs to happen to happen. Okay, because this we're, this is not just transferring information. You know, I'm not up not up here just to give give you like information. Uh, I mean, we're we're here for something to happen during during the message. I mean, we're we're here not just for Understanding, when I mean, we certainly are, and I have some things that to, to share to share with you. But we're here more like for a light to come on inside of you. <laughs> we're here for more like for revelation to well up within you, for for something to click in you. Maybe this never clicked before. For all of a sudden, for you to get it, for you to get something that you've never gotten before, for you to experience something and then begin to live in it. Like you've never lived before. Now, at, throughout the book of Galatians, throughout this this study, which which I've loved, I hope you have too. We've we've been talking much about how we've received forgiveness of sins and acceptance with God as a pure gift received by faith. There is no more condemnation for us in Jesus. Uh, we've pr- been pronounced innocent, clean, white as snow, <laughs> not guilty. We've been pronounced just and righteous in God's eyes as a pure gift. We've been talking much about that. But as, as forgiven, clean people with a righteous standing before God... How, how do we live today? How do we be what we are supposed to be today? How do we live this new life that Jesus brought us into? And in many ways, I think the whole answer is right here in this passage. The answer God gives us is by the spirit of his son sent into our hearts. That is the single great gift of salvation. Certainly there's lots of other things. We could break it down into a whole bunch of other lists and blessings and so forth. But in a sense, it all boils down to this. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. We've been forgiven. Christ redeemed us in order that we might receive the promise of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit within us, crying out as sons. We've we've received a spirit of sons or a spirit of sonship into our hearts. And this this single great gift of God is given to you to create relationship to the Father. Not just to tell you that you're a son or a child of God. Not just to tell you that you have a relationship with God. But the Holy Spirit is sent into your heart to to create relationship to the Father, attachment to the Father, and affections for the Father. So we at Real Life Church here, we are we are not our goal is not to try to get you to conform to conform to an to an image of what we think a good Christian should look like. We're not trying to get you to conform to 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 an image of what a Christian should talk like or act like. Or do the things that a, a good Christian should, should do. Our goal is for you to know and experience and be transformed by the work 
of the Holy Spirit within you. Our, our, our goal is to, to get you to understand and have a revelation and to live in this, this thing that Paul talks about here, which is the Spirit of His Son. God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. Now, here is often what happens. At some point in your life, when you are touched by God in some way, maybe you're saved, maybe you're filled with the Spirit, you just say, I have decided to follow Jesus. You, you seriously, you want to get serious about this thing with, with Jesus. And so, as human beings, what's the, what's the next step? Well, you want to know, what do I do next? I mean, that's, that's okay, what do I do? That's, that's always the next question. And even in, you know, well-meaning books, uh, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm not condemning all of this, but, you know, even in well-meaning books that gospel tracks, they say, okay, pray this prayer, accept Jesus, and here's what you do. You start to give, give money to the church, you go to church, you read your Bible, you pray, you start to witness. I mean, it starts, they give you this list of six to 20 things you're supposed to do. So, the, so immediately we get the idea that, that living as a Christian is start, starting to do this, starting to not do this. And if you don't get it, if you don't get it in a book, some well-meaning person will, will just give it to you. They'll give you the list, either subtly or very overtly. They will, they will give you the list of what you're supposed to start doing this week and next week and, and so on, or what you're not supposed to do. So in, either intentionally or not, we get the idea that, that by, to be spiritual or mature or complete is by doing or not doing, by keeping or not keeping, by having or not having. But Paul says, I mean, this, the very overt message, the very clear message is Paul says, we don't grow by following a set of laws or religious duties, but we grow as God's sons. We grow as sons of God, given affections and desires by the Holy Spirit to draw you to the Father. Galatians 3, 25 and 26 says, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. Okay, well, if we're no longer under the supervision of the law, what, what kind of supervision are we under? Well, we're under the supervision of the Spirit. We're under the work of the Holy Spirit sent into our hearts. And it is the Spirit that gives you this attachment to the things of God. It's the Spirit that gives you this longing for, this desire for God and for your heavenly Father. Now, in this passage, Paul compares uh, living under the law to being a young child and the life in the Holy Spirit to being a grown-up child or a, a son who has reached a certain age. So he uses this, this illustration to, uh, to, to give us a, a, an image, to create, a, to create a, a, a word picture, so to speak, or uh, to give us a, a visual image. Okay, this is what it is like to live in Jesus. And he says that living under the law is be like being a young child and life in the Holy Spirit or with the Holy Spirit in our hearts 
is like being a grown-up son or daughter. So, it's, again, I say it's an illustration to help us figure out what this life in Christ is to look like. It's just, it's just another illustration so that you can say, okay, I get this. I see, really see what living in Jesus is supposed to be like. Now, Paul's illustration is from the Roman world where small children or younger children... And not necessarily like even little, little children, but children under age in wealthy families, okay? Children under age in wealthy Roman families were under the authority. They were placed under the authority of managers or guardians until they reached a certain age set by their father. That age, I don't know for sure what it might be. It might be 18, it might be 20 might be 25, it actually says in this passage that the age set by the father. So the father might, depending upon how well that child was growing up and maturing, might set it at a little different age, but it was an age set by the father. And even though these these children in, in that system would someday inherit great wealth, in their childhood, they had a guardian who had absolute authority over them told them what to do and where to go and managed their behavior so much so that in verse 1, Paul says, Now I say, as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, although he is owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by the father. So I hope I hope we get this the, the picture here. It's like we, we have this wealthy child or this child, we have this child in this wealthy family who is destined to inherit and manage great wealth, but for the time being he has no right to that. He has no freedom. Okay? And that's Paul's description of what, what it was like being under the supervision of the law. But his point is, but for you, but for you who are in Christ, you who have received the Holy Spirit, instead of being children or instead of being like children who have no right to the family fortune, you are like sons and daughters who have reached the age set by their father to receive the inheritance and our full rights as sons, as it says in verse 5. Now, we don't have that same system in, in place, of course, uh, but I think the same principle is seen in our homes too. Uh, as a child, you were told what to, what to do, what time to go to bed, what time to get up, Wear this, don't wear that. Eat this, don't eat that. Finish your food, uh, don't touch this, don't touch that, etc. And we do that because a child is, 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 is kept under that kind of management, so to speak, because they're not real mature enough to, to make their own choices. But then as they mature and can make responsible decisions, uh, they're released into more and more freedom and... You know, someday they're entrusted with the keys to the car. 
they live freely on their own and they make their own choices. And so Paul is saying, as, as believers who have been made sons of God and who have been given the Holy Spirit within you, you're like that grown-up child that all of a sudden you've been given, you're, you're given the keys to the car. You have the freedom. You're governed by, what, by being moved and motivated internally, not, not by, the, by the external coercement and restraints of childhood. And again, this is a picture to help, to help us get the idea of what, like, what the freedom of living in Christ is like. Okay? So Paul says, when you're a child, he says it does not differ that much from being a slave. Now, this was particularly true under the Roman system. But I don't know if we have any kids or younger children in here today. Um, But kids, you know, kids or even young people, I hate to tell you this, but you're kind of like, kind of like slaves. Uh, Your parents might be the greatest parents in the world, uh, but if you just tried to stop going to school or stop doing your schoolwork or stop doing your your chores around the house or you just try, try running away from home for a few days, you will find that you're not a free person. And Paul uses this, this, the bondage of childhood to, to, again, to illustrate what being, living under the law is like. It's like being an underage child, which he says is very much like being a slave. There's just these external controls to keep you in check. But again, the comparison is that living with the Holy Spirit sent into your heart is like being a grown-up child. You're still, you're still a son or a daughter, but you're grown up. You still love your mom and dad, but you're grown up. You're set at liberty. You're not, no longer under the supervision of the law. You're set free and you're guided. And like I say, you're moved internally. You're motivated internally because as a believer, you've got the Holy Spirit in you. And so you're, you're working from the inside out, not from the external supervision of the law. And so Paul's uh, question, or really just the obvious question, is do you, want, do you want to live like a child or like a fully grown-up grown son, released from the rules and restraints of childhood? I mean, I had a happy childhood, but I, I wouldn't want to go back to it. I love my mom and dad, love to please them, but I love being a grown-up son. And, you know, we, ra- we raised our son, Luke, in a loving environment, but also with firm discipline and controls. But I bet if anyone would, would ask Luke or Alyssa or any of, any of our kids if they want to go back to that childhood system of being managed, they would say, absolutely not. Now, might not be necessary to emphasize this, but a lot of times when we talk about being sons of God, and particularly, I think, from the passage in Romans 8, uh, we emphasize kind of the, the, the childlike affection or the, the affection like a little child has for his, for his daddy. And that is true. It is true. We, we, are, we are called children. We are to become like little children. We, we are like little children who love their heavenly father. But the emphasis on this passage is that we are grown-up sons, that we are, 
that were grown up and into adult or mature sons that are ready to receive the inheritance. Like I say, get the keys to the car, have the freedom to, to, to live our lives. And that's what life in the Holy Spirit is like. So if, if, if living in the Holy Spirit, if your life as a Christian in some way is kind of feeling like living as a child under all the being managed by all these rules and expectations and standards and things that you're trying to meet, then you're really not, you really haven't fully got what it is to live in the Holy Spirit as a child of God the way that God wants you to. Verse 3, in the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. That's from the ESV. I cho- chose to quote that at ESV, which I think says it a little bit better. In the same way, we also, when we, were, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. Before we had a saving encounter with Christ... We, we just we lived under kind of the rules and philosophies of this life. We lived under kind of uh, a lot of people live, live by certain philosophies. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things, well, just, uh, just go do it. Just be the best pr- person you can be. We live by kind of rules, that, things that we should do or shouldn't do. And uh, we, we just kind of lived under the... the Laws of morality and and commandments. There, there was nothing. There was nothing supernatural at all about us. Uh, There was nothing. There was no work of the spirit in our hearts. Nothing freeing. Nothing liberating. Nothing gracious and empowering about that. It was just. It was just kind of do this, don't do that. Think this way, don't think that way. And then, and then. With that, there's the accompanying condemnation for our failures to measure up to that. And so, um, salvation is a release from that, that bondage. It's a release from the bondage to sin, but it's also a release from the bondage to the, the elementary principles of living. Uh, the elementary ways of trying to manage yourself. Okay, we all need to be managed. Uh, but Paul says this is, this is, that was like, the law was kind of like the, the, the elementary ways of managing yourself by following certain rules and ceremonies and principles and so forth. And so instead of the law and its duties and ceremonies being looked looked at as some as some advanced kind of kind of Christianity, which is what the Galatians, they were getting deceived into thinking that, okay, if we really want to be really advanced in our Christianity, we're going to go back and pull in these elements of the law, circumcision, works of the law, uh, observing certain days and months and seasons and years and so forth. We're going to pull this in, and that, that really is going to kind of give, make us even a little bit more advanced in our Christian living. And it's very, that's a very subtle temptation, believe me. And probably all of us get sucked into that, seduced by that sort of thinking 
at times. But instead of the law and its duties and ceremonies being looked at as some kind of advanced Christianity, Paul calls it elementary. And the word means basic or simple or beginning, the preliminary or rudimentary. And so many commentary, commentators call it, have, have used this phrase, they, it's the, kind of the ABCs of life. Before Christ, we were like children learning the, learning the ABCs or the, the, the elementary principles. And so this was, I mean, this was like an insult uh, to, to those who thought that keeping the Jewish laws and days made them more advanced. Paul says, this doesn't, make, this doesn't make you guys more advanced. It's like going back to kindergarten. It's like going backwards. It's like giving up all your privileges as an adult and going back to childhood. It's, and to live in Christ, indwelt by His Spirit, is, is superior. To live in Christ, indwelt by the Spirit, is more grown up than living under the principle of laws and ceremonies and philosophies and things that don't have any power. We're living under a system that has power, that has life, that has the Spirit sent into our hearts. It's it's not ideas and so forth. Uh, Warren Wiersbe said, One of the tragedies of legalism is that it gives the appearance of spiritual maturity when in reality it leads the believer back into a second childhood of Christian experience. When I was at Iowa State, I was in a group of uh, very sincere, but at times uh, very legalistic Christians. And I learned a lot from it, but it was just very clear, especially the more, more I was in it, and, and especially after I got out of it, I, I just could look back and see how, how, how legalistic it was. And a lot of the kids, a lot of this, the students that were in this group seemed really impressively spiritual when we were at Iowa State in this group. Everybody doing all the duties, meeting all the standards, keeping all the disciplines, all the activities. And I won't go into all the stuff that we did, but we did a lot. But when all, but after they graduated, so many of them didn't do very well. When, when, all the, when all the routines, the activities, the disciplines, all the set times and places for this and that, when all the pressure to perform all the spiritual disciplines was suddenly gone, many of them just tubed out. And that, that was an expression that we used to use back then. I, I don't know if anybody's heard that or not, but Okay. <laughs> All right, when, when, somebody, when somebody sank spiritually, we would just say, man, they tubed out. Okay. And many of them, many of them just, just tube out when they, when they got away from, from, from the legalism, the system, because it made them look really mature, but they, they didn't have, they weren't living as sons. They weren't living in the Spirit, by the Spirit, as sons of God. See, and you, you can't get people mature in or under a strongly legalistic ministry. You know, 
there, there may be a lot of things that we aren't having you guys do that a lot of other churches have people doing. I mean, there may be a lot, a lot of stuff that we don't, we don't have organized that, uh, that we aren't pressing you to do that, 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 that a, lot of, a lot of churches do. And you may think, well, boy, we're, uh, we're just kind of a, really a backwards, uh, I don't know what's the right word, but anyway, uh, not doing so good. But I, we fir- firmly believe that you, you can't make people grow up just by getting them to do all the right things and all the right activities. Uh, you can't, you, you, now you can get everybody, there are systems, you, you can get everybody to look alike, to act alike, to dress alike, and do the same things. But that is not the same as showing people how to live as sons and daughters of God. That's not the same thing as teaching people how to live at liberty as sons and daughters of God. Verse 4. But when the time set had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. So being a Christian essentially, or a big part of being a Christian, is being redeemed out from under a law-type system, out from being redeemed out from under the law and being made sons. And so, again, the law or anything associated with that kind of living, it's not something to, to look back upon as kind of the good old days and something we you know really need to, to, to go back to if we want to if we want to really be spiritual and godly. No, it, it's something that Christ redeemed us from. He redeemed you from that. He died to set you free from that. He he redeemed you from the frustration and the condemnation of trying to live under these principles that have no power, but yet they condemn us because they're the holy and perfect law of God. But Christ redeemed you from the law. He did that for you. And so to go back to uh, law-based living is like, it's kind of like refusing to step out of prison when, when Christ opened the door and to let you out. And, you know, I say that partly because, I think, you know, some people are kind of afraid to break free from, from the law and live as sons. They're afraid to live in that freedom as, as sons of God. Because, man, that's, you know, that's what they've grown up in that, and that's what church has always kind of been to them. And it's like, man, I think it sounds kind of dangerous, you know, to just live in this relationship with the Holy Spirit working in me and creating my affection and attraction to God and so forth. But being a Christian involves a, a, a redemption from law-based living and living transferred into Holy Spirit-based living. And it's completely two completely different ways of living. That's what Paul's trying to teach us from here. And I hope, I hope you really see this. I really want us to see this. because I, you know, I think a lot of time I, sp- I spent in my Christian life that I didn't see this. Uh, it is not only that we are legally adopted as sons. 
It's not only, and as wonderful as that is, I mean, it, 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 that's a huge thing when like these kids are, are stand before the judge and the judge says, you're so-and-so's son or daughter now. I mean, that's, that's a huge, huge thing to legally, objectively, in the sight of God, to be made a son. And we are. But as wonderful as that is, it is not only that we are like legally adopted as sons and daughters, we are changed in our very constitution to be sons. You, in other words, you are not a son or daughter of God in name only. Okay, you did, it's not like you just got a new last name that says, okay, you're a son or daughter of God. The Holy Spirit creates in you the heart of a son. He creates that intuitive, natural, spontaneous cry of a son for his father. So it's, it's, it's an organic change. It's a spiritual change. It's, it's not just, a, just an outward change. Verse 6, which teaches us, Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Okay, we're going to spend a little bit of time on this verse, but I, I, want, to do, I want to say something about this whole idea of, of being sons. Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son. Okay, this, this verse, again, as Josh mentioned last week, answers the question of why we are all called sons. Certainly, God recognizes and loves men and women equally. And if you are a woman... God gave you the gift and the glory of femininity. Praise God. It's a wonderful thing to think of yourself as a woman, as a daughter of God. But whether male or female, it says, a couple of verses before this passage, but whether you are male or female, slave or free, whatever kind of person you are, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And you are all sons of God in this sense. The spirit of his son. Whose son is whose son are we talking about? God's son. The spirit of God's son was sent into your heart. So your connection to God comes from the spirit of Christ. His own son being in you. So it is Jesus living in you by his spirit that creates this sun-like, sun-like affection for God. And so, in a sense, you, you are a son of God like Jesus is a son of God because the son of God sent his spirit into your heart, giving you the spirit of sonship. And, of course, he is the one and only son of God. I'm not obviously not saying that we're sons in the same plane or level of him, but we are sons of God in him, and because he is in us. In him and by his spirit in us, we are sons too. Like Jesus is a son of God. And, what, and I mean, and that just should blow our minds. I mean, that's the incredible standing that we have before God. That we are, we are sons of God like Jesus is a son of God. Because we are in him and his spirit of sonship has been sent into our hearts. 
But I want to emphasize that it, it is, again, it is the Spirit what, that makes us live as sons of God. Uh, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the key to living as a, as a son. Now, if we were just to throw off the supervision of the law and we never had the Holy Spirit, we would, we would go nowhere. Uh, the Spirit turns your heart toward God. The Spirit turns your heart toward the things of God. He cries out within you for your Father. He creates the love and affection and desire in your heart for God and for the things of God. And any person who is genuinely connected to Christ by faith and has received the Holy Spirit will will feel related to God. You'll feel this connection, this intimacy with God. You intuitively know that you can cry out to God as your father. You have this sense of intimacy with God as a child to his father. And again, as I said earlier, this is the single, single greatest gift of salvation that we receive. It is, this, it is the spirit of sonship. It is the spirit of attachment, the spirit of loving devotion and affection to God. And that becomes the, the guiding or the driving principle of our life. The spirit of a son, sonship, the spirit of love for our father, the spirit of, of attachment, of attraction to him, his desire for him. That is what drives our life. Not the law, not the supervision of the law. We're no longer into that. But this, this, this love for God and for the things of God as his children. And it's, that's created by the Spirit. So, may not be implicit in, in this chapter but I, I, or this passage, but I, I think it is. We become mature... Uh, we become mature, grow, we grow up in Christ by by acknowledging and yielding to to the indwelling Spirit, in a sense, yielding to the cries of the Spirit within us, Abba, Father, dear Father. We become mature by living as a beloved child of God, and again, if you if you are a son of God. If you're a child of God, if you're born of, of God, there is a cry in your heart. And so what I would tell you this morning is to yield to that, to that cry. Yield to that impulse. Pay attention to it. Give yourself to that desire that is in your heart for God and the things of God. Don't quench it. In fact, I'm going to say a little prayer right now and, I'm, and then I'm going to ask you to repeat it with me. Father, I give myself to this longing, this love, this attraction, this desire in my heart for you. Okay, let's say that together. Father, I give myself to this longing, this love, this attraction, this desire in my heart for you. And if you have that cry in your heart, if you have that cry in your heart for communion with God, then 
you have the Holy Spirit in you. That cry comes from the Holy Spirit. You know, I, w- I was up one night praying, and I, I, was, actually, I was actually praying for just for the more of the power of the Holy Spirit and just His works and manifestations in my life. And uh, I, I probably wasn't praying in a good way because I, I was I was kind of one of those uh, moments where I was kind of like, "Where is the Holy Spirit anyway?" <laughs> you know, kind of where is God? You know, and come on, come on, God, I want to see more. <laughs> okay. And, uh, you know, so all the time I, I, I was just praying, you know, Father, grant me these things. I just, I want to see more of your power manifested in my life and be more filled with the Holy Spirit and see more gifts of the Holy Spirit in operation. And, and, uh, and, and like I say, I was almost praying about it in kind of a discouraged way. Like, like I say, come on, Holy Spirit, where are you? And then it hit me, just my very crying out to the Father is my witness that the Holy Spirit is in me right now, that the Holy Spirit is is here. Certainly want more more, more of His fullness and operation, but there's just such a such a, a, a cr- tremendous assurance that comes from knowing that God is living in you by His Spirit because you have that cry to the Father. Luther said, "I can't have a message on Galatians without a quote from Luther." Okay, so I had. I had to put this in. Uh, Luther said, The fact that the Spirit of Christ in our hearts cries unto God should reassure us greatly. However, there may, may be many factors that prevent such full assurance, reassurance on our part. And I can't read all that he says, but I will say, say part of this. <clears throat> the devil, our adversary, goes about seeking to devour us by roaring, God is angry at you and is going to destroy you forever. The law scolds us. Sin screams at us. Death thunders at us. The devil roars at us. In the midst of the clamor, the Spirit of Christ cries in our hearts, Abba, Father. And this little cry of the Spirit transcends all the hullabaloo of the law, sin, death, and the devil, and finds a hearing with God, and it assures our heart that we are children of God. Verse seven is not in your on your bulletin passage, but it says, "So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir." And Christ, this is the whole purpose Christ redeemed you for. That you, so that you would be made a son. So that you could relate to God, not as a slave, but as a full-grown son. And the message of Galatians, and I'm not trying to get too much into this. Well, maybe I, maybe I am a little bit, but uh, not trying to get too much into this. But the message of, of Galatians is, don't go backwards. Okay, <laughs> don't go backwards from this father-son relationship into law-based living. And he asks in verse nine, "How is it that you are turning back to those weak and elementary principles of the world?" You know, sometimes it is—it's hard to stay grown up. And uh, sometimes I—I've I, seen it. I mean, sometimes people they get into the 
they know they find the joy and the liberty of walking by faith as sons and daughters of God, then all of a sudden that's not good enough anymore. And we hear some some other ritual or special knowledge or spiritual experience or religious duty of some sort that we, that we think, okay, that will give me le- the legitimacy I seek for. That will give me the status I long for. That will qualify me in some special way. That will kind of set me apart from everybody else, from ordinary Christians. And But... Once we fall for that, instead of it taking us forward, it actually takes us backwards to Im- immaturity. And Paul said, formerly, when, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it you're turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? Now that, you, now that you know God and come to be known by Him, now that you have the advice and direction of the Holy Spirit in you, now that you have the movement and the impulses, now that you have the heartbeat of the Holy Spirit inside of you, how could you want to go back? I think the thing that will keep you from going back is just real, genuine relationship with the spirit of his son. Andrew Murray said uh, in in a book called The Spirit of Christ, uh, said, I have written to make clear and impress this one truth. The Holy Spirit must be known as living in you. The spirit must be accepted and treasured until his presence becomes part of your consciousness. You must live your whole life in this faith. So we we live by faith in the Son of God, in us by the Holy Spirit. And that's how that's how that's how we we live. Every spiritual group tends to have their laws or way of talking or ways of doing things that seem so spiritual or advanced. And and you know when you're around that stuff it can just make you feel like a spiritual dork when you don't when you don't fit in and and match up with all of that when you're just trying to walk with Jesus led by the spirit as a as a son and daughter of God don't let people intimidate you into following some kind of system or pattern or special activity that that will finally get you up to that next higher spiritual plane that you really need to go to. Make sure that your badge of spirituality is the spirit of the Son sent into your heart. Make sure you aren't tricked into think into looking to something else as your as your badge of spirituality. You know, I've, I've seen people do all kinds of things. I, I, I've, I've seen people, and not, not to bash this at all, but I've, I've seen people go on missions trips with the idea that this will, finally, this will finally give me the spiritual status I've been longing for. This will kind of finally make me feel like a spiritual person that I've really been wanting to. Others find 
some other thing that will lift them up, set them apart, give them spiritual status. But our spiritual status is that we are sons of God through faith in Christ by the Spirit of His Son sent into our heart. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we thank you for this inc- incredible status and privilege that we have as sons of God. We thank you, God, that it's not just an idea. This isn't just an idea or a, or a, you know, a, a cool concept to think about that, that we, actually are, we actually are sons and, and given the heart of a, of a, of a son by, by the Holy Spirit sent into us. And so, Lord, we, we give ourselves utterly over to the, the Spirit of Jesus Christ sent into our hearts uh, by, by, which we, by which we cry out, Abba, Father, your Father. And, Lord, we, uh, we, we love you. We have affection for you we desire you because because of this work of the spirit in our hearts and we want that to become um, just full-blown in our in our lives and understanding and how how we live we pray this in jesus name amen thank you so much for coming this morning